Are you reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a positive narrative for our future. Welcome to another episode of AI for Creatives, where we discuss all things art, innovation, and humanity, and take a look, a serious look, at how artificial intelligence is impacting the creative industries. I'm Nova Lorraine, your host, and I'm with my lovely host, Camilla. Camilla. <laughs> you got me singing this morning. <laughs> Yes. I know we were having a great conversation before we uh, hit record. So I'm really excited to share some of the information that we were discussing and all the news, all these uh, new announcements that are coming out regarding tech, regarding AI, regarding immersive technology. And, you know, we have Apple, we have Neuralink, but I'm just going to pause there because I want to, of course, see what you've been up to. <laughs> Oh, wow. What haven't I been up to? No. <laughs> I know. With this case, um, it's actually, always changing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So many different things. But um, one thing I'm really excited about, I'm working on a project called Museum of Presence. Ooh. And it's a project with the artist. His name is Shabazz Larkin. And mm -hmm. there's a team of us. But it's basically taking the museum out of the brick and mortar building. And it's a publication Ooh. that'll be like a news paper, but it's actually laid out like a museum. So it has uh, featured artists and it looks like a gallery. Um, it has music in it. It has podcasts. It has meditation. And so it's kind of, and it it's also focuses on uh, communities and artists that don't necessarily aren't always in the news. They're kind of like these gems that you know some people know about, but you know it's like uncovering it for everyone. And so that is a publication. It's going to be available in multiple places, but I'm super excited because to me, this is like something that's totally outside of the box. And it's oh. about making art accessible. It's about thinking about, hey, if you're an artist, you don't necessarily have to be in a gallery or a museum to be relevant. You could be anywhere. I absolutely love that. And I just want to just ask, did you say newspaper? It's going to be in a newspaper format? It's it's a newspaper. Wow. Right. <laughs> That's really art. But it's, a, but it's an art gallery. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can imagine. Out of the box. Well, you know, I remember Saturday mornings. Was it Saturday or Sunday? I just remember the weekend papers were the thickest papers. And you had the comic strips in the in the weekend papers. And my brothers and I would just clamor as soon as they came, the paper came in the house that so we can grab our favorite comic strip. And my father is a big reader, still is. So 
even to this day, he will pick up a newspaper at the supermarket and come home around the table and read his newspaper. So newspapers for me had a lot of value and relevance during my childhood growing up. And I still loved very tactile things. And of course, you mm-hmm. know, going into publishing and, and printing Rain Magazine is a testament to that. But for an entrepreneur to launch a newspaper today and do it in the way that you described, it is very, very innovative. So I'm excited. Please, please, please keep us posted on that project. In terms of what I've been up to, and we were just joking about this because (laughs) I've been traveling a lot lately, so it's hard to keep it straight, but I'm super excited to head to Miami for the Future Festival put on by She Builds. And I'll be accepting a future award around innovation in Web3. And SheBuilds has a mission to really bring awareness to women that are creating the future, especially in technology, around and within the global diaspora. And so really excited. It's a red carpet event. Um, And then additionally, I'm filming episodes for Behind the Rain, which is a TV show that brings together fashion, culture, and emerging technologies. So those two projects are, well, the award event, super excited about. The TV show is, you know, something that we're continuing to um, get further and further involved in. And the book, Fashion AI, and the Digital Age of Fashion is still something I'm extremely passionate about. Uh, We have a few additional contributors that we just brought in the book from some major universities. And yeah, I'll continue to keep you posted on on that project as well. So I want to dive in. I'm itching to just (laughs) get your thoughts about Apple's new announcement. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast has already heard uh, there is a new Apple product on the market, an Apple Apple Vision Pro. Uh, Their claim to fame is this is the first spatial computer and they believe it's going to transform any space into a personal movie. So that's pretty phenomenal. And you'll be carrying around your computer with you on your face. And so we're in emerging technology. We were very steeped in immersive tech like meta- met- the metaverse and AR and VR and XR and MR, all the Rs, including artificial intelligence, including blockchain. And so I'd love to get your thoughts, and we could also go through the specs as well for those that want to nerd out on the technical side of the product. I'd like to get your thoughts, Camilla, on what you think about the new announcement. I'm excited because you mentioned a computer on our face, (laughs) but you know, the iPhone is like a computer in our pocket, right? So it's kind of, you know, that Apple comes out with these devices that just revolutionize what we think and what we do. And it's, they're never, you know, it's not necessarily like, okay, yeah, VR headsets have been around for a while, but you know that if Apple is coming out with one, like it's just going to be beyond anything we've ever experienced. And they're all about the user experience and making it something that, um, that people actually want to use and can connect with. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. And you know what? I I do like nerding out. So I'm going to go through some of the specs and 
part of the reason why I'll, also I think it's really interesting is that it's super lightweight because a lot of the headsets aren't, let's just be real. And I personally have had issues with headsets like Oculus because of, I, I get vertigo, basically. I get dizzy. So I have to be really mindful on what I'm going to choose to use for my immersive hardware that I'm putting on my face. So I'm curious to see if I have the same, if Apple has the same impact as some of these other headsets. But yeah, it looks like the fit is a lot better, which I always have issues with the Oculus, like getting it right and making it comfortable. So looking at the video, it looks like the fit and the technology within the, you know, how the band goes around your head is is pretty good. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely more fashionable and that's very important, right? That's the most important. <laughs> Is definitely- <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes me think about the machine learning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> how, what people are actually seeing, but I don't want to jump ahead. Okay. Please continue okay. with, the, well, with the features. Yeah. Apparently with this headset, you're also going to be able to see the person's eyes on the front of the headset, which is interesting and different because Apple, you know, they have to do things differently. So the cost is somewhere around 3500 it's super slim and, and lightweight. There's two chips and there are no controllers, just hand tracking. Um, one downside though is the short battery life. But on the upside, it's supposed to support both VR and MR experiences. So mixed reality for those of you that hasn't you know, that haven't heard of MR before. And so an Apple Insider claims that the device is going to have similar computing power as a MacBook Pro M1, the 2020 version. So literally it is like, you know, I have a MacBook and to imagine having all the functionality of that computer within a device that you're wearing on your face, mind blowing, right? And then also it's supposed to have a resolution of 4K. So yeah. And that's about 50 times brighter than Oculus Quest 2's display. So for those that are interested, again, on more of the the techie stuff, what else can I share? The battery life is it's just a couple hours, right? Do you remember? Yeah, it is. And I isn't the Oculus around the same? I mean, should you really be in? Well, okay, so I thought it was interesting. If you look at the video... And the way that you use the Apple head, or I won't say headset, but the way that you use the Apple Vision Pro, it was interesting, the examples that they gave, because they were talking about people doing FaceTime, connecting with others, being in meetings, pairing it with your MacBook, like just looking at your MacBook, and then your it opens up your computer to a bigger screen. Think like, Minority Report, don't want to date myself, but if you haven't seen the movie, you should see it anyway. And then also like movies, there wasn't as much like emphasis on games. They also showed like you, the ability to take 3D pictures and videos and like replay that in an immersive way. So I just think it's interesting that it's, it is only two hours because the way that they were showing is like, Wow, you could really be in that all day. If I think about the number of meetings that I have, the number of phone calls mm-hmm. that I have, the number of mm-hmm. things that I do on multiple screens, like I could probably like just be in there all day doing stuff. And I think the 
interesting thing that's different about it is that it's it's it is like an experience where it doesn't have to be totally immersive. You know, you can still see around you and you can see the other person, the person if they're there, right? Kind of thing, right? And I, I think that's important now. Anyway, I feel that augmented reality, where you're layering a digital experience onto the real world, is what's going to lead the way in terms of adoption for more immersive technologies such as virtual reality. And, you know, I was in a few conferences, I was speaking this week, and this was part of the conversation that kept coming up. But I thought it was interesting for those of us who grew up in an era where you were told not to sit too close to the TV screen because it's going to hurt your eyes. And there were several people that said, well, why would I want to wear not a computer screen, but a TV screen, excuse me. But why would I want to wear, you know, something that's comparable to a TV screen, like two inches from my face? <laughs> and, and this was a concern for a variety of people in different locations, you know, where I was speaking. And I hadn't even thought about that. I was just like, oh, cool. I want to see how this works. But there is going to be that resistance. I don't know if there's any data around, you know, the impact in terms of how it's going to affect our eyesight long-term. That would be really interesting if Apple releases some information around that. But that brings me to another part of our conversation around what this hardware is going to do when you look at AI, when you look at the metaverse and adoption rates and experiences. And I feel Apple hard, Apple, you know, Vision Pro and Google Glass and Magically, partners that are releasing headsets and all the other similar companies are going to really push the space forward as relates to immersive experiences. And then layer on generative AI, you know, what is our landscape going to look like in three years? You know, if, if people give the green check to, to spending, you know, who knows if the price is going to go down, but to spending well over $3,000 on a pair of glasses, which raises the question of access, but we'll, that's another, we'll touch on that at the end. You know, what's going to, what is the vision of education? And, you know, at the coffee shop, is everyone going to have their Google Glass or Apple, Apple ProVision or, you know, the next version of the Apple headset? You know, what are your thoughts about that? I think the price point is not bad, and the reason why it's okay, it's bad. It's it is bad. Like an iPhone, well, it's it's iPhone's interesting because iPhone 14, 15, 16, <laughs> whatever. You know, like everyone has the latest one, no matter what your income level is. Sometimes, <laughs> which is interesting, like. People that are not adults yet have the latest. This iPhone. is true. That's a great point. And and people are used to paying like a thousand dollars for this because there's some type of payment plan <laughs> or whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah. To get this in people's hands. And but I do think that if you're looking at it in in a sense where it's a device that is almost comparable to how I would use my computer and my current headset, and I would watch movies on it. It's it's kind of like the way that they're marketing it. It's like okay, thirty five hundred dollars is not ridiculous. So, I yeah, I think the price point is not horrible. But I also think that as technology um, advances, it will be more. It's, I mean, that's always what happens at, with technology. Like the more things that come out, the cheaper that the older technology is. This is true. This is true. I think it's interesting in terms of 
how it's going to also revolutionize FaceTime and video calls. You know, we got thrusted into this era of Zoom, Zooming and the versions of Zooms, Zoom meetings. And to move from our desktop or even our, our phones to just walking around and having those video calls is going to be really, really interesting. So with my question around AI and these headsets and more immersive experiences, let's take that a little further. Neuralink announced that they got approved for their first human trials. If anyone's been following Elon Musk for the last few years, he's been suggesting that we need to enhance ourselves with computers in order to compete with computers, to compete with AI. And this was well before the release of ChatGPT 3 to the marketplace. We saw an adoption rate, which we mentioned in one of our previous episodes of uh, 100 million users in, in just about 60 days of releasing this new technology. And with generative AI, the machine learning continues to learn the more people use it and it gets better and better the more it's used. And the adoption rate continues to increase because we're seeing AI and generative AI continue to be adopted in various ways across industries. So now we're looking at the possibility of either chips being surgically placed in our brains to enhance our abilities and or headsets, these external devices being used to enhance our abilities where we are connected to the computer. And so when we look at June 2023, Apple releases their, you know, I'm like doing like a recap, like years, years in the future, we now look back and say releases their, their immersive headset. And within X amount of months or, or yeah, let's just say months, six months, 12 months, 18 months, we're seeing a certain number of people being being placed on the wait list to either get external, you know, brain computer interfaces or internal surgically implanted brain computer interfaces to quote unquote compete with artificial intelligence. So I see this bridge happening and you know, the release of this device from Apple having a much greater impact than you know, what we're talking about today. Obviously, the news just came out a few days ago, but I feel that the implication is huge when we look forward in terms of where AI and technology is going. With the Apple device, uh, the Apple Vision Pro, it's really interesting because the way that you select items or the way that you move, you know, if you think about moving your cursor or moving to select something is with your eyes, your eye movement. So it's tracking your eye movement mm -hmm. and whatever your eye is looking at, that's what you can select with your fingers. But it's almost as if you're doing it, It's, I mean, it's cheating in a way because it's just using cameras, right? But in tracking your eyes, but it's almost like you're telepathically like moving stuff because all you're doing is looking, right? Mm -hmm. And so like you said, it's a bridge. Well, imagine if uh, this device, if you had a BCI brain computer interface that you're just thinking that you want to do something That's right. and then you're moving it and you're doing it. So that is, it's definitely a bridge. And even um, one of the things that we had talked about with the Apple 
Vision Pro is that it doesn't have haptics. Like you can't, because there's no um, controller or anything, it's not going to shake. It's not, you know, they put haptics and controller to make the the um, experience more real. But if you had a brain computer interface, which maybe is the next, you know, further generations of, of, of this device, then you could actually like feel, you could actually like bring in the senses to this immersive experience. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about ChatGPT5 a few episodes ago and how that was going to incorporate the senses such as touch and smell and taste. And I was still really confused. I was like, well, how? (laughs) Well, (laughs) surprise. Well, this is one way. I would like to just go through some of the ways that we're going to see the brain-computer interface impact our experiences around emergent technologies, especially immersive tech such as AR and VR that Apple is helping to enhance. So with BCI, we have the possibility of enhanced, not even the possibility, the reality of an enhanced immersion where it can enable a deeper level of immersion within the metaverse spaces. These are these 3D virtual worlds or rooms or homes or whatever uh, you're choosing to have that experience in by directly connecting the user's brains to the virtual environment. And by doing that, it can provide more realistic sensory experiences that we were just touching on and where the users can perceive and interact with the 3D environment using their natural senses, such as sight, hearing, touch, and even taste or smell. And then we have intuitive interaction, where BCI allows users to control digital objects. And you were just touching on this in terms of what Apple will allow us to do with their eyes. You can move things just by moving your eyes. Well, the BCI will allow users to control digital objects and navigate through these 3D environments with their thoughts. And then when you think about the clunkiness and, and the lack of adoption due to the obstacles the tech had, you know, you're using your mouse or you're using your keyboard and you're moving forward or backwards or you're zooming in or zooming out. And it was the, the, the UX is horrible. Let's just be real. For most metaverse worlds, it's not smooth. And now when you look at BCI, it's taking away those devices, similarly to what Apple is you know, allowing us to do by wearing the computer and using our eyes to control things. Well, now, as you shared not too long ago, using your thoughts to control things. And then how will that impact individuals with disabilities, you know, in terms of access? We were discussing access around financial access, but then there's, you know, a real opportunity to provide access to individuals with these more immersive technologies for individuals with disabilities, so giving them that opportunity to also engage in Web3. And then we have real-time communication. Now, before we started talking, you know, and Camilla shared with you this wonderful art project she's doing with the museum, but Camilla and I are both artists, creatives. We love fashion. We love art. And one of, and when you're thinking about these telepathic-like, right, with the Apple now, the Apple uh, Vision Pro, but now truly communicating thought to thought within a virtual environment or potentially in in real time with these with these devices, not having to say a word. <laughs> you're just throwing ideas, throwing thoughts, throwing images at whoever you're in the room with or not in the room with. 
And what would that mean for artists and creators? Not everyone is going to want to share their thoughts, but I'm just saying in terms of individuals that are truly passionate about co-creation and collaboration, where are we going to go in terms of our imaginations when we can instantly share without the barrier of language, you know, what we're thinking with each other creatively? Wow. I like how you said without the barrier of language, like that is... (laughs) That's blowing my mind if you think about it, um, because if you are interacting with anyone anywhere, like you said, in a metaverse space, that's global, right? And so if you can co-create with someone and do it in a way that kind of is doesn't have those barriers up, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think the metaverse space is always to me more about giving people access to other people globally. And giving people access that would not have access to do certain things, whether they're paralyzed or whatever it is, like they wouldn't necessarily be able to go experience a walk in the park or or a concert or an art exhibition or mm-hmm. something like that. So um, just bringing it to creatives, like that's that's giving people access to these different creative outlets, which is can only, you know, help help and enlighten us and reach other people. And yeah, I think the interesting thing about BCI is, I mean, basically the applications now are very heavily in the medical where people that are mm-hmm. paralyzed, basically they are lacking that connection. Like the brain is not telling their leg to move or whatever it is, right? And then with these different chips, they're able, it's able to tell the brain, to, I mean, the the limbs to do certain things. So I, I just think that's like, that's, that's super cool. Um, but you also mentioned about sharing thoughts and, you know, one of the applications in the future is being able to just download information from the internet, basically. And so if you want mm-hmm. to know something instead of trying to do all this research and going to a class and doing all this stuff, you can just, oh, I need to know all the best business practices for this industry, whatever that is. You know, a lot of artists, they're like, I don't know the business side. I don't even want to learn it. But if you can imagine in an instance, like, you know, the Mm -hmm. business model of an artist that is a successful artist or, you know, a musician or whoever. Right. And it's like, okay, I know, I know how, what they're, cause they shared it with me just now, <laughs> you know? So now I, I have all right. this information. And so it again is, could break down those barriers that people have of, you know, being a ha- having to go to a place to get educated and having all those different time that you have to take to learn to do things. And I say breaking down barriers, but then we all know that all of this technology costs money. So, you know, who who yeah. is it breaking down barriers for? It's a question. Yes, I, I, I think you've touched on several really great points. And I want to just revisit the point you made around education, because I think that's a really, really fascinating topic. And there, there is a product called Reality GPT, which is the claim around this product is going to challenge Apple's Vision Pro and 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 then actually outshine Apple's new headset. And when I was looking at this, you know, this video, 
demonstration of the technology. It's think about what you can do right now with a program like ChatGPT or a Dolly or a MidJourney or a Stable Diffusion or, and, a, and a variation of where you can create images, video, text within seconds and create them at scale. And now add that into a headset, headset or a device where, like you said, instead of having Alexa in your living room or bedroom and having to walk into the room and talk to Alexa or talk to Siri, you can, through your thoughts, download whatever information you need at that moment in time. Is it a calculation? Is it a grocery list? Is it a new recipe? Is it a new 3D design of your favorite sneakers that you want to wear in a video game like Roblox? You know, and now you're able to extract this information or create new content within seconds, co-create content, movies, films, stories, books, imagery, and putting that together as you're wearing these devices. And, and the individuals that are not able to participate right now in this, may it be from a, you know, any physical disability or potentially even a neurological disability, being able to close that gap through BCI and through these immersive um, headgear. It's going to be really, really fascinating. And will education exist the way it does in the next five to seven years? How many universities or colleges are going to survive this new shift into how individuals are learning or gaining information? If you have a, a robot or a, a tutor powered by AI that's accessible to your Apple headset, Google Glass, or Oculus, or whatever. What's going to happen to traditional, you know, four-year colleges and universities, and/or even primary schools? What's going to happen? So, really, really fascinating conversation. I want us to go into a little bit around the ethics of this, and you know, I was talking earlier about. Are there issues that you're going to have with your eyes if you're, you know, extracting all these images and it's so close to your eyes? What is the issue there? And I'm sure Apple's done their research, but that's one one area of concern, long-term effect. But there are other ethical concerns here as it relates to the technology and potentially where it can go, who can get access. And so love to hear some of the some of your thoughts, Camilla, on what you feel we should be paying attention to or some areas that you're personally concerned about? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you kind of said it about access, right? Who is going to have access to this type of technology? It's going to be um, most likely people that are super excited and want, you know, we watch these uh, superhero movies and if I can move stuff with my brain or I can download stuff like the matrix and know how to do Taekwondo or whatever, like a lot of people are like, yeah, I do it. But, and, and if you're, if you're able to have like knowledge is, pa- is power. And it also, I think Elon Musk had mentioned that, oh yeah, it's going to be expensive, but the knowledge that you gain, you'll be able to make the money back, you know? And so if you, if that's like for that top 1% that is going to have all this access to it, what does that mean for everyone else? And I'm not saying that that's how it's going to end up, but we're having this conversation so that it doesn't end up like that. And I like that you mentioned the schools because, or education system, because 
they're they're already kind of getting outdated. Like you can get free courses online <laughs> nowadays, like even MIT and stuff. So it's but it is more about the collaboration that happens. So it would be interesting to see the evolution of what an education, a place of education looks like. Maybe it is people with headsets that they can rent out or that they can go places and collaborate on ideals and things like that. Like what is that evolution so that people can have access? Yeah. I mean, it's funny as we're talking and it it really does seem like we're talking about the future, (laughs) you know, wearing computers on your face, being able to send thoughts of your ideas to another individual and, you know, move objects just with your eyes. I mean, it really does sound like things we're talking about right out of a sci-fi movie, but it's here and it's now. And we're, I mean, with just BCI alone and where we're two, we're 2023 right now in three years, we're going to be you know, speculated to be at 3.3 billion in terms of the market size of brain computer interface, 3.3 billion dollars. And so for some, oh, Elon Musk just got, you know, approval for human trials, but there are other companies besides Neuralink that have been doing research for years and years around brain computer interface, especially within the health space to help individuals with disabilities, paralysis, you know, neurological disorders, and are making some incredible, incredible advancements. But now we're seeing that technology spill into entertainment, spill into education, you know, where you're able to train virtually, you're going, you know, there's holograms, there's augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, all these things that are impacting education and design. And then you have generative AI, which is doing the same thing. And I feel that individuals that are creating the regulations aren't necessarily immersed in using the technology. So we're a little behind on the regulations. And when you're looking at computer chips being implanted in someone's brain, well, how easy it is, how easy is it to remove it? What if it fails? What if the com- the company goes out of business? What does that individual do? If you can receive information, you know, through these devices and send information, well, what if some bad actor is sending misinformation to you without your permission or information to, or it could be misinformation or accurate information where you're now the receiver and you have no ability to thwart whatever information or thoughts are being shared with you or sent to you. And so we're seeing this already with data tracking and and not owning our own data or not being aware of who's quote unquote spying on us and and sharing this information for for profit. And now we're taking that up a level where you can create and scale at an incremental rate content and information. Some of it is on the dark side of things, we're we're talking, you know, deep fake that may not be used in the best intentions, where you can fake to be someone else or create a fictional character to do things on your behalf. And again, those things may not be up and up. How do we protect ourselves? You know, what about privacy? You know, so we have security, we have privacy, and then we have the psychological and physical impact that these technologies can have on us. 
in the long term. And, you know, one of the areas of concern, of course, are children where they have their developing brains. And is there going to be a minimum age where you can use these devices? So these are some things that I feel we should talk about out loud. You know, be excited about it, try it, use it as a creative, see where these technologies can help you or impact you, or you can, you know, maybe be an advocate or an ambassador or an enthusiast for the technology for those that need access to it. But also have these difficult conversations out loud around, well, how do we continue to move forward, you know, and advance ourselves without hurting ourselves at the same time? Wow, Nova, you opened a whole can of worms with all of that. <laughs> and like you said, so many things. Oh my gosh, is there's so many different things to think about with this. And, you know, one of the things that, that I always think about is empathy, right? And because I know that with my work and working with nonprofits, you know, one of the ways to help people to want to make an impact in someone else's life that they're not necessarily connected to is to be able to tell their story and to be able to have that person experience what that person experienced. And with BCI, you can actually have access to those emotions and share those emotions. So even as an artist, sometimes you'll look at a really impactful piece of artwork and you're like, wow, you know, but I don't know what the story was behind that. And so Mm. if the art can connect with someone's emotions through that Mm. and you can share that as an artist, that is cool. But then I also think about what you said about how, you know, other people, a lot of that stuff is trauma. So are you sharing that with people? A lot of times, like I think things in my head that I don't want anyone to know. Like, is that, <laughs> is that going to come out, you know? But another thing to watch out or to think about too is that, you know, I always think about marketing and take this back to marketing is that even now, just by your activities and what you do, we're already figuring out, okay, what product are they going to buy? What do I need to advertise mm-hmm. to them? So imagine mm-hmm. if that data that is in your brain Now Mm -hmm. these people know your thoughts and your emotions. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's going to get sold. Maybe it will, who knows, but, or they, they would have access to that. But, you know, if you, if I know what you're thinking and I know you're going on this trip or, you know, whatever you're doing, I'm like, Ooh, do you need this? Or, Ooh, I can, I can tell, Hey, buy some toilet paper today or get this brand or, you know, whatever that is. Like it's even tapping deeper into a person and make it could possibly make it that you have even more targeted stuff, which can be good and it can be bad at the same time. Right. Cause wh- at That's what true. point does, do you draw the line? Mm, so, so true. And I think we, we should just be aware of it and ask those questions and, and look at those that may not necessarily be able to speak up for themselves right now, like the, our children And to be mindful that these technologies are still very new and it's going to take time to see what that impact is. We saw, you know, or experienced social media and other Web2 technologies for good and bad. And so now we have the opportunity to be forward thinking and, you know, putting humanity first over profits in terms of protecting ourselves, protecting our mental health, protecting our physical well-being 
you know, as we continue to push forward to help individuals walk again, see again, hear again, to help artists sustain themselves with the things that they love to create and share with the communities that they want to impact, you know, to help entrepreneurs invent and innovate more easily and more quickly, to help storytellers increase their distribution of stories that they feel are really going to change people's lives. So these are just a few examples of how these technologies are going to help us in our lives, help our planet through sustainability. Hopefully, the goal is to get more time back that we could spend with each other and do more things that we enjoy. And so those are all the benefits. And we just have to be mindful and regulators need to be involved and educated as well. You know, use the tools, be a little more aggressive in <laughs> looking at and having conversation with diverse voices around how can we put some guardrails up that don't impede our creativity, and, but at the same time also help our humanity. And yeah, so that's, that's what I just wanted to share around the ethical side of all of this. It's something that we touch on in each and every episode. And I think it's super important as a, we have a camp that's super excited and we have another camp that's really scared, you know, regarding the time that we're in. And so it's important to hear both sides of the story. So we find that that middle ground. But yeah, this was a great, great conversation. Really interesting stuff. Are you going to get an Apple uh, Vision Pro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, I kind of need a MacBook Pro. So <laughs> do, I, do I just need to get a Vision Pro? Like, what can I do? <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Just, and then I'm like, oh, I have this Oculus. I don't even want it anymore. Should I sell? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hmm, maybe I'll swap. You know, I know, I know a bunch of people that always waits to version two before yes. they. And but I'm I'm super curious, so uh, I'll keep you posted if if it ends up on my my want list and and in my uh in my office sooner than later. In the meantime. Um, we will, I think this is a good time for us to conclude the show and welcome our audience to continue to follow us and listen, uh, listen to these episodes. They're super, super important for you to stay up to date and aware, and then just share, share with someone that you feel can benefit from this information. We also have another podcast called Crypto for Creatives. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that. We talk about emerging technology, Web3. We interview founders that are building and creating in the space. We cover blockchain, smart contracts, NFTs, the metaverse. So if you want to get a little more background with some of the technologies that we we're talking about today, definitely check out Crypto for Creatives. You can find both podcasts on the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. It's always a pleasure to come and share and definitely tune in to our next episode and subscribe if you have not yet subscribed. And that's it for AI for Creatives. I am your host, Nublarain, and always a pleasure to join with my co-host, Camila Sanders, <laughs> for information all about art, innovation, AI, and humanity. Take care. Stay well. Ciao. Bye.